Hey there, folks. Kevin and Heather are cooking in the kitchen while I'm cutting promos for episode 117. Welcome back, folks. It's the Uticast, and this week we are talking to a man I've been trying to get a hold of for a long time. That's right, from Holy Smokes Barbecue Fusion, it's the man, Nick Briggs. Uh, also this week, we're going to uh, we're gonna have a good time talking about Claudia Tinney. We're going to have a good time talking about Jamel Hill. Uh, we're going to have a good time talking about... Uh, history lessons, the Emmys, uh, the Cassini mission to Saturn, uh, tattoos, iPhones, all of this, and so much more. Episode 117. We're back. Creamer is good and it looks really gross now that I've poured it into it. I don't know why it looks like that. Is that normal? That's what it looks like? Oh man. You're gonna drink it, it looks like soup. It does Actually, look I don't know if it's supposed to curdle like that on the top. Oh, it's because coconut milk and heat, I think something makes the milk. Just take a sip. Just take a sip. Let me see what it, it tastes look. like. Oh. Tastes uh hot. It's very hot. It's fresh out of the coffee pot. Hello yeah. folks. <laughs> it's not bad. No, it tastes okay. Well, hello folks. Uh, welcome back. Compelling. <laughs> Compelling content. <laughs> uh, welcome back, folks. It's episode 117. Uh, and we we finally brought him on, a guy who we've been waiting for for a very, very long time. My good friend, the man behind Holy Smokes Barbecue, uh, Nick Briggs, is here on the show. The very excited. The president of Utica Food Truck Association. Oh, yes, he I is. Yeah, indeed. Briggs Alino. El Presidente. I get to see Nick every uh, Thursday, anytime we do an event. He's always parked shortly outside the brewery, so I always go out mm. and say hey to him a little while before the event starts. It's like my little Thursday ritual. Mm. Um, so last week we talked about, I think it was last week, the week before we talked about the sad passing of Walter Becker from Steely Dan. Yes. Uh, another sad passing away, but I'm going to do it right off the bat this morning because a lot of people might not know as much about this person, but even this morning. Is it going to be because they're listening in the morning? Probably. I assume people... I, I wasn't always... sure if it was that or you were just confused. I'm like, it's almost damn near 7 o'clock. <laughs> I always assume people listen in the morning. That's I, If I had to assume, I assume they're in their office. Well, that's fair you enough. in your office? Let me I, know if I'm you're... always like, are you on your morning drive? Yeah, where are you right Tell now? Tell your work friends when we say hi. <laughs> Hashtag where am I right now? Let me know where you are. Shout it out to me. Um, but yeah, no, the sad, uh, the sad passing away of legendary wrestling personality, color commentator, manager, uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan who passed away at 73 years old. Uh, I assume he had throat cancer for a long time. I yeah, for like yeah. decades. Um, so there's a lot of really good stuff out there right now about Bobby Heenan, a lot of like pop culture websites and like major, actually some major news sites covering Bobby Heenan today, which I thought was kind of interesting. I assumed he was like a wrestling only type personality. Oh, no way. Hmm. No way. Um, if you don't know much about Bobby Heenan, I, I highly recommend you go watch, like, a YouTube compilation. Deeply encourage you to take a YouTube deep dive with maybe a Wikipedia tab on it on the side. Yep. <laughs> You'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. One uh, of the people who taught me how to talk shit from a very young age. Very, very <laughs> true. This one's only going to be for you, Kev, I think, but, um... Because oh, you don't know, you don't know my grandfather, but like, no, I'm good. Uh, there are two. Re- like, Bobby Heenan is most famously known for his color commentary to uh, his partner Grill Monsoon, who also passed away a long time ago. Grill Monsoon was a big, burly, like, very 
uh, friendly gentleman, and Bobby Heenan was like the snide, snarky side uh, side guy, right? And for me, it always Gorilla Monsoon always reminded me of my grandfather, who was a really nice, upstanding guy, and Bobby Heenan always reminded me of my dad, who was kind of a smart ass. So that's why I always associate those two, I think, so closely to my wrestling love. So uh, sad, Bobby the Brain. He was one of the best humanoids. There it is. I had to get one humanoids in. Okay. So let's move on. Heather, it's nice to see you again. Hi. I know I got to see you a lot this weekend. It's rare that I get to see you as often as I've seen you this weekend. It was nice. It was nice to see you and the fam. Thanks. Um, And I have to say, uh, just real quick, I want to talk very quickly about the downtown get down. I want to thank everybody who came out. It was uh, it was awesome. Really awesome. I was super happy that uh, that it was uh, that it was so well attended and that everyone seemed to be having such a good time. Uh, Heather, I can't give you enough credit for setting up that for helping get that station set up in there. It looked great. Thanks. It was fun. The vendors were awesome. They all enjoyed. They were, everybody was great. In typical Made in Utica fashion, when we got down there to set up our booth, everybody else was already set up and ready to go. <laughs> that sounds about right. It, yeah, was, like, it was already going on. Like, yeah. The event was already happening. Sam's walking down, just shaking his head. I'm just frustrated. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, why? Why? <laughs> I'm always frustrated. Uh, Kev, you were sadly not there for the no. morning events. Uh, you did miss uh, your good pal Sam and his half-hour session in the dunk tank, which was... I was following along live on the internet <laughs> some of the dunk tank stuff, and I kept I kept saying it was a good thing I wasn't there because I would have drained my bank account to dunk Parkinson <laughs> until he didn't come back up again. Like, I mean, you just see me dropping tens of thousands oh, of dollars man. to keep hitting that button. And, I mean, just my whole day would have been wasted. Would have catch manslaughter, at least. Um, it was definitely it was definitely a, a bit of a, a highlight, I would say. It was a lot of fun. I actually, to be fair, when I was on the dunk tank, it was about 81 degrees, and I was directly in the sun. So after dunk the, tank was all right for After you. the yeah. first time or so, I'm like, yo, dunk tank is moderately refreshing right now. I'm enjoying this. By the time, uh, you know, and Pete, uh, our good friend Pete Forgets, shout out to great listener and great friend Pete Forgets, uh, he was up next and it was still nice out for him, and then uh, Midtown Utica, uh, Midtown Utica Community Center's Chris Sunderland got in the, uh, got in the booth for a half an hour, and all of his kids, like, lined up around the block <laughs> to dunk uh, uh, So th- those were all fine because it was really sunny out. By the time uh, Maiden Utica's Justin Parkinson and Mark Simon got up, it, the sun had gone. And now... <laughs> the sun had so, me. So I could tell by the time Mark was finished up of his half an hour that he was cold and kind of <laughs> over it because uh, one of our friend's kids just kept running up and pushing a button. And, and I was like... <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Damien. Good job, buddy. It was... Uh, it was shout out to Damien living up to that name. Yeah. You're doing great work. <laughs> I think the dunk tank was fun. Next year, I feel like we need to get some sort of like local celebrity to come do it. Absolutely. Right? I, yeah, I think next year we got to call out. I mean, we'll go out earlier and... Yes, For anybody listening, we'll get Joe Marino in there, we'll get the mayor in there, we'll get we'll get everybody yeah. down there. Mm. Do you want to... <laughs> see if Claudia wants to come. <laughs> oh, who? <laughs> Wait. Wait. Hang on, I want to... Who? I was going to hold off and ask you about Sergeant Slaughter. You let me know when it's time to uncork well, my rage. You, you do your show, I'll be ready. <laughs> well, very quick, I just want to ask you very quickly, because you were there for the late portion of the night. You were there for uh, Nail Creek and the Gibbs portion of the night. Yes, which was amazing. Was yeah, awesome. yeah. Actually, that was a great party. I saw so many people. Mm. It was a really good time. Uh, do you want to talk at all about briefly meeting Sergeant Slaughter? Uh, I did meet Sergeant Slaughter. He's a really nice guy. He's very tall. Uh, yeah, the original Sergeant Slaughter, no joke, in full regalia. He was uh, something else. It was very surreal. 
it's always weird to meet somebody like that who plays like a character too. Like they're not, you're not even meeting that person necessarily. You're meeting the person they play, right? Mm. Um, yeah, weird stuff. All right. So this is the story you guys wanted to talk about, all the listeners. So wait, you talk, you're talking about somebody who plays a character and pretends to be somebody else? <laughs> I mean, is that going to be the segue? The parallels between wrestling and politics are... Interesting. I are, can't imagine what this story yeah. could be. That's right, guys. We're going to talk about Claudia Tenney. Did you guys... And here's the big news. You guys ready for it? Her town hall meeting today in Camden is sold out. Boom. Did you guys get tickets? No. You didn't get tickets? Unfortunately. Okay. Good. Yo, until somebody needs to tell Claudia the coward, <laughs> yeah. a ranger meeting down here in Utica, we got plenty of space. We got plenty of space down here in Utica for you to hold a town hall meeting as well instead of trying to hide like the coward that you are out in Camden. Is, that all, the, is that all the Claudia knows for this week, or is there more? Oh, I mean... I heard a rumor. There's a rumor. So, I didn't hear any rumors, but I heard some substantiated news reports. So let me... Either, let's not muddy the waters here. You know, on this show, I like to pull back the Fat. curtain sometimes. Uh, sometimes on this show, I have a hard time looking for news and sometimes a lot of stories come up during the week. This was one of those weeks where I had a lot of stuff. There was a big list of things I could have talked about in the news this week. And then, <laughs> on Friday, shining down like a gift from on high. I really got to thank the OD for this. Kevin, you sent me this <laughs> a link to this article about uh, Claudia Tinney uh, and her communications assistant, Patrick O'Brien. Please, do you want to start this, or shall I give the background? Uh, I'll do color. You go ahead. Okay. <laughs> take, take it away, Gorilla. Uh, communications assistant, uh, for, uh, communications assistant uh, Patrick O'Brien used a phony name to blog, tweet, and write letters to the editor uh, for area media outlets, including the Observer Dispatch, uh, under the guise of being pro-Claudia Tinney and also anti-Assemblyman uh, Brindisi. Um... This name, the guy's name, Patrick O'Brien, this is my favorite part, actually, the whole story, right off the bat, because I know what it's like to be this kind of an egomaniac. He, he used this fake name, Dave Garland, which is the name he used, like, his pen name for his book in college. Like, he really, like, come on, man. Really? You egomaniac. You couldn't even come up with a different fake name. You had to go back so that someone could somehow trace your nonsense. You moron. First off. <laughs> These aren't smart people. They work for Claudia Tenney. <laughs> O'Brien had been submitting letters to the OD under the false name Dave Garland for the past year. Most were pro Tenney, and all were checked through the OD's letter verification system. Uh, he'd also written to the Rome Sentinel and uh, Syracuse.com. Uh, so this was the response. You guys ready for the Claudia response? Mm. Uh, so Claudia's office said the staffer was spoken to and was told to stop. <laughs> Quote, after Republican Tenney became, uh, or Representative Tenney became aware uh, of a young staffer's social media postings on his own time, he was asked to delete the account and refrain from such activity in the future. And then, <laughs> I like that she snuck in this shot here. Unlike uh, Ms. Tenney's detractors, he was always civil and polite. Kevin, would you like to answer this civilly and politely? Would you like to talk about this? Oh, God. You know what? I might, yeah, I might change my tack. I'm going to try to uh, answer this completely civilly and politely, although... <laughs> <laughs> this further proves everything I've ever said week to week. Um, it, it This highlight, I mean, look at what these people are. Like, this is one of those things that doesn't surprise me. It's such a disingenuous thing to do. Mm. To If you have to misrepresent your brand and if you have to have somebody out there basically writing, you know, promoting mm. things for you and attacking your people, and that's the way you think you have to do that to be successful, you obviously don't have much of a platform. And Claudia Tenney has proven once again, time and time again, that she has no business holding elected office. The fact that people keep electing her is, you know, you play little 
diversionary tactics and do little tricks because most people don't look into it that far. Yeah. And I'd love to see her get caught for stuff like that because she's been doing scummy stuff like that for a long time. And it also says a lot that your only answer is, oh, well, at least my guy was polite. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> That's so offensive and dumb. And the, the worst part is that a lot of people will buy it. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. But it's just when I saw this, it made me laugh because everybody knows she's a phony. Everybody knows she's a fake. Everybody knows she's bad for this area and has no business representing anybody in Washington, D.C., and it's nice to see her get her comeuppance before the 2018 fall election cycle, when which I hope she will be served the utmost defeat. But if I've misrepresented her views or what she's done in any way, shape, or form, I warmly welcome the congresswoman to come on the Uticast <laughs> and talk to me about the issues, as I always do. Um, I think what's interesting about this, It was pretty though, civil. That, that was, was pretty good. civil. It was pretty civil. I'll give you... Once we're done recording, I'll give you the other half. Um, I'll I give would you the say... uncivil half. <laughs> I think everybody else wants the uncivil half. They no. probably do. <laughs> Here's what I think is interesting, though. Do you think it's self-aware enough of her to like I think it's interesting to her to be self-aware because I feel like she knew about this yeah, like, she's absolutely. pretending she didn't know about it she no. knew about that's this that's why he's right? not in that much trouble because he could I feel like that's why he's not in that she much probably trouble. did I, she, I can see the plausible deniability where you didn't sure I can see that you know what I mean some young kid just like hot shot and hot dogging around there and grandstanding mm. There's plausible deniability enough there that I can't completely say she absolutely knew and it was part of a plan, but it just overall shows the type of people that they're surrounded with and the strategies they think they have to take. Whether she did or she didn't is almost immaterial to the conversation. Do you think she... All right, I, I don't have poll numbers in front of me, right? But I seem... I and mean, maybe I'm skewed in, like, my liberal echo chamber, and that's what all the people will tell me, right? I feel like I don't know anybody, even, like, fringe people I know who aren't, like, on the, the left-leaning side of things who really like her. Do you know anybody you know, like, even casually, who sort of likes her at this point in time? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody. I know a couple of people. Mm-hmm. See, maybe I'm in the echo chamber. It's just 100%. me, I suppose. Think about, yeah. where, think about where you go and the people you talk to. That's true. You know what I mean? That's I true. work in a large plant full of a lot of blue-collar dudes that live out in the country and care very much about yeah. their guns and are not big fans of, mm. you know, the immigrants. And Yeah, no matter what she does, they're always going to be voting for her. Well, not for nothing. I think, and I could be wrong on this, I think I'm under the impression that uh, some of them in Brindisi also doesn't have a problem with guns. Like from what he has a yeah no I don't think I don't think he does but like do you know what I mean like well but she just it's it's not about what's real yeah that's true. when it comes to something that's just exactly. parroting the talking points you know what I mean yeah. like the same scare tactic thing mm-hmm. so people don't have to mm-hmm. get a ton of information you can just corral them as voters as you see fit mm-hmm. the Fox News strategy mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's funny actually I looked this up on the internet to see if it got any play anywhere else besides around here and it did not so not. shocking <laughs> well I guess not really I always expecting every news story to get I'm covered. kind of surprised that wouldn't actually that's Listen, congress like that's I, I think it just it hasn't been tipped to anybody probably maybe we should that's what it is like we're nobody, tipping it now nobody has sent it to you know to any place well maybe I much like Patrick O'Brien have a pseudonym maybe by the name of Benjamin Rooney who does tend to post these things to Reddit so who knows maybe this is already out there on Reddit I don't know anything about that though because plausible deniability um do you guys want to talk about this anymore or move on I have nothing else to say about this, I suppose. I mean, you know I could speak mm. about this for days. Well, I actually, let me ask you this question. Do you think at this town hall anyone will bring it up? No. Because who's going to... Should get a softball lobbed question from okay. a planted person. <laughs> you can't know. They're not letting anybody in. They verify. They make sure the only people that get in there are, are supporters and sycophants. Mm. And that's why they do it, so they can have the press opportunity to say they had a town hall... So it looks on the national stage like they're having town halls, but anybody who knows her district knows goddamn well if you don't come to Utica, you're not talking to your constituents. 
No disrespect to the people of Camden, people who live in rural areas. You look at population density, people, and voters, you have an obligation to give answers to the people who live in the seat of the county that you represent, you bum. Fair. I like it. I like it. All right, let's move on. Um, this is a story that I saw get a lot more traction than I expected for something that has to vaguely do with sports. But it's always interesting when uh, something that I see as sort of a niche story gets pulled into a national platform. Uh, and this is sort of what happened here this week. Uh, for anyone who's out there looking for something interesting to read on the internet, by the way, there's a really good article piece that came out about Jamel Hill, uh, who we're going to be talking about in a minute, on The Ringer. It's called Jamel Hill on the fight for the future of ESPN, which if you're interested in anything I'm talking about here for the next minute or so, go look it up online. It's a, it's a pretty good piece of uh, journalism. Um, so last week, uh, let me set the stage here. Uh, Jamel Hill, who co-hosts the 6 p.m. Sports Center with uh, Michael Smith, uh, got in sort of a Twitter argument with people online and posted some very openly anti-Donald Trump uh, tweets. I'm going to read a couple for you guys, and then we'll sort of go from there, okay? So this is the one that everyone's talking about. Uh, Donald, uh, Donald Trump is a white supremacist who has largely surrounded himself with other white supremacists. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one, right? Uh, there are a bunch other here. It's just like, you know, is the most ignorant offensive president of my lifetime. His rise is the direct result of white supremacy, period. So these are kind of strong uh, tweets. Uh, and I guess it's not important mention that it was done in reply i didn't see what the other reply tweets are i don't think it makes a huge bearing on this story in particular i just think it's important to mention that it was in a reply to somebody okay that for whatever reason do you think that she did something wrong right off the bat just by reading those two tweets no 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 i feel like twitter now everybody's using that as their outlet for everything so i know that Mm -hmm. people are upset because of where she works and doing that on her own personal account but she has a right to feel that way especially with what everything that's been going on. Um, I, yeah, well, I think that's being, a good point. Like, <laughs> she has a right to stand up mm-hmm. for herself and say what she had to say. I think it's, I think, again, this this talks into the thing we talk about a lot. This is a sign of the times where, again, everything is super politicized. Like, ESPN alternately gets hit all the time with, on both sides of being either a left network that appeals only to the left, or it used to be the other side. Like, and sort of, now most of the argument seems to be that, oh, it's a, another fake news outlet, right? Um, There are interesting comparisons to this, though. Uh, And very quickly, in 2014, Bill Simmons, who at the time was one of the biggest ESPN uh, celebrities, kind of went off script and called out NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell about his um, the way he handled uh, cases of domestic violence in the NFL, particularly Ray Rice. And he got suspended. So what changed between 2014 and 2017? Right, because Simmons was sort of doing the same thing. He was saying a personal thought to his audience. But he was on the, he was on TV. He was on a podcast on his podcast. Yeah, so he was expressly on their platform. It's completely different. Yeah, that's completely. Oh, so he's on their platform. Yeah, because they're on. It's on their platform. It's not on his personal account. That's not the same thing at all. But if she's tweet, so she doesn't have an ESPN. She's tweeting from her personal account. This was on her personal account. The equivalent of that would be her being on SportsCenter at six o'clock saying Trump's a white supremacist. Okay. And again, she was replying to something too. So Which she also, I mean, just you know, for the record, is entirely true. <laughs> yeah. So. Just you know, well, that's, and that's, that's the other she, thing. I think she has to say something. She a has a cas- right to. Well, casual scroll through Twitter or most internet platforms, you'll see a lot of people who have that same opinion, right? And again, you get back to this argument because she works for this media platform. You know, 
she has to be does she have to be held to a higher standard on her personal plat on her personal social media platform? If, no, what's no, a higher standard? And, and I have to, I'm just curious. I'm I just have at, to say you know. is if we're going to say that then these these companies need to make put that in place as a rule. Mm-hmm. You know, like whatever you're doing on your personal time is your personal time and what you're saying. But mm-hmm. I don't feel that anybody should be um, that be held accountable or in trouble because mm-hmm. of the fact that they have an opinion, unless the company or the business they're working for has rules against that. I don't know. That's the thing. Like she didn't say anything offensive, and, and she didn't cr- even put this. She replied to something. Oh, not not <laughs> even that. Like whether you know what she her words or her words they stand alone. It doesn't matter what she doesn't reply to. But she didn't say anything all that offensive. It's the same old uh, crybaby white folks that get upset whenever any black person with a platform says anything that they perceive as stepping out of the line. These people are so eager to police how people how other people are allowed to protest and to talk and you know well oh you can protest but you shouldn't do it like this you shouldn't say this you shouldn't like oh well this is racist and it's reverse racism to call him a white supremacist that's not the same thing that's gaslighting and it's false moral outrage because these people don't like to see what they perceive as a black person stepping out of line and that's what it is and people slap the hand right back down and that that really proves her point you know what i mean it really it proves that everything she's saying is true the, the false moral outrage from the people and everybody. I mean, the White House called for her head. Sarah Huckabee Sanders said she should be fired for yeah. it. I don't. I didn't see any of these same crybaby folks on Twitter when Donald Trump was on The Apprentice and he was saying that Obama was born in Kenya and he's not from here and he's ruining the country and all these other horrible things. Mm. I didn't see anybody calling for him to be fired. Could you imagine what would happen if the Obama White he's House had said, we want him fired for saying I this? I mean, Sounds like a crybaby. It's so hypocritical well, that it's gross and these... Uh, Here's the quote. Um, so, and, and that's and that's actually a really good point, though, because here's the thing. So, she throws the Twitter comments out, right? ESPN responds by doing what I guess is about the the most base level thing they can do, which is the views of ESPN, you know, do not represent the views of ESPN, the company, blah 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 blah, blah right? And they didn't suspend her, although there's reports that they tried to, and it didn't seem like it was going to work, so they just didn't, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I have seen uh, former ESPN personality Kurt Schilling, who was on the conservative side of this argument, who was like suspended multiple times for this, uh, who went out and said that this is racist, that she didn't get suspended. But for all the Schilling folks out there, Schilling had been suspended numerous, numerous times before he got fired. He had always been kind yeah, of Yeah, he a, would constantly yeah. and virulently go after people. Yeah. That's entirely yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, totally different. It's entirely different. Um, but I think this story would have ended right there. If ESPN had said their comment and that's it, it would have been water cooler conversation for a couple of days with like mm-hmm. sports folks, but probably uh, it probably wouldn't have stayed in the news cycle had uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders not been questioned about it at the press conference. Here was her quote: uh, "I'm not sure he's aware, but I think that's one of the most outrageous comments that anyone could make, and certainly something that I think is a fireable offense by ESPN." Um, it's it's literally demonstrably <laughs> true. I just don't. <laughs> like, it's demonstrably true. He's He's been sued for it before and, and lost. <laughs> You're talking about a man who took out a full-page ad in the New York Times to condemn the Central Park Five, uh, five black and Latino men who were falsely accused of rape and they were exonerated by DNA evidence. He's still like, no, I know they did it. They should be executed. He took out yeah. a full-page ad in the New York Times. Yeah, it's funny how much they like to talk about Benghazi, but how little they like to talk about oh, Central Park Five. It's crazy. So intellectually dishonest and <laughs> hypocrites. I have a headache. I know. Um, so, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I'm gonna cut our. Uh, I'm done with this guy for the week because uh, it's not super important. Although I'm I... done with uh, Claudia Tenney's guy's fake name. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Dave, Dave Garland. I'm, I'm done, done with, with Dave Garland, Garland this yeah. week. Um, I'm done real, with that guy. Real quick though, I just thought this was interesting. Uh, two different pieces of uh, uh, Earth b- debated stuff this week. Neil deGrasse Tyson was on CNN, so this is obviously fake news. Uh, he's claiming that it's uh, it may be too late for us to recover from climate change uh, because of what the damage has already been done. In a separate story, the Pope came out to say that history will judge climate change deniers. So in a rare moment of science and and religion teaming up. And, but still, it's, all, it's still not real. It was so. also uh, reported... <laughs> It was reported this week that the Vatican has a backlog of 2,000 cases of sexual abuse of children that they are declining to investigate or continue to prosecute. So take that one to church on Sunday Ooh. as well oh. while Ooh. we talk about the Vatican because I did read that this week. Slide that one back over the other mm-hmm. side. <laughs> All right, so... See, everybody gets it. It's equal opportunity. You know, that's the thing. You don't call it partisan. We'll just spray the hose of justice all across the land. All right, so let's uh, let's let's take a break and cool down here for just a moment. It's really hot. It is. Hot I thought here. so. I'm really warm right now. Let's take a moment and let's go to this week's interview. A guy who, as I mentioned, I've been talking about having on this show for so long. He's one of the longest guys on the list of people like, oh, you need to have him on this show. Yeah, great guy. Great guy. Um, really cool story, too. Yeah, great really story. Really cool story. Uh, you may know him from Holy Smokes Fusion Barbecue. Uh, you, you may also know him as Nick Briggs, although I referred to him briefly as Bronsolino, which... Uh, Briggsolino. Briggsolino, that's I like right. like it. You know, we talked about the we talked okay, so not a spoiler. We talked about the thing with the action Bronson. Very at some point, I had to bring it up to him, and we sort of and this isn't the same thing, but since uh, Glow became like a popular thing, I've been getting a lot of the Mark Maron stuff. So we've had we had like a moment. You about ride that. it pretty heavily. <laughs> I used to ride it more heavy when I didn't get it so often, and I feel like that's probably where he was. Everybody, listen to our Mark Maron podcast and listen to the first five minutes and the last seven minutes of our show. You'll see what I mean. <laughs> All right, so this is Nick Briggs <laughs> from Holy Smokes. Scroll through your Facebook page and look at all the, the right. stuff. And um, I saw you had that dope Jeep, and then you pulled up in the dope Jeep out front. That pretty cool. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's very strong looking. Thank you, thank thing. you very much. And I have to say, uh, Nick, you uh, you have been sort of a, a legend around here. We've talked about having you on the show since all the way back in like last year. Like we, we sort of, it's been discussed around the podcast. I know I've reached out to you before and our timing's just weird. My timing right. is real crap this time of year. Right. Uh, but I'm actually really, really excited to to actually have you in the studio. So Nick Briggs, uh, of course, from Holy Smokes Barbecue Fusion, the food truck you guys may obviously know. It's all over the city. Uh, it's That's a right. real, real pleasure to have you here uh, Thank you. in the studio. Thank you very much. Uh, now I got to ask you, because I, I didn't get a chance to get now, we're going to start with some other stuff, but I want to ask before we get too far. When did you initially start doing Holy Smokes? I was going to look up the estimate. Um, it was July of 2014. July of 2014. Oh, you're getting... 
You're getting up there. Right, I know, right? I know. It's uh, starting to catch up on me. It is. <laughs> right. Well, I, I um, let's get back to the intro, though, because I, I want to start. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. So, Nick, I did a little bit of research, and uh, I couldn't quite figure out if you were from here or if you moved here. Were you initially born in Utica? Um, I was born in Utica. Okay. Um, my family moved away, I think I was five years old when we moved away. Oh, okay, so you were five when you Right, yeah. we moved uh, down to North Carolina. Father, okay. we took off to North Carolina, and what ended up happening was um, I ended up spending, I would be up here when school was out down there, mm-hmm. I would be up here with my grandparents. See, and, you know, and then, and then um, when school was in, I would be down south with my, with my father. Did you find that, uh, was that frustrating sometimes in terms of like, Friendships and relationships outside of like, the family stuff. Uh, yeah, when I was younger, you know, yeah, you know, but it, it, as you get older, and it kind of just becomes, it's like, oh yeah, I can't wait to go to New York in the summertime, and right. it's just kind of like, you know, it was always everything was always being switched up, and um, and you went to West Brunswick High in North Carolina. Yes, one yeah, thing I, yes, yep, West Brunswick High School. It's funny because I'm like West Brunswick High School, like, where is that? <laughs> so I looked it up, and it's like North Carolina. Like, right. is, I, I don't know if this is right. right. I guess no, I should ask no like, that's it. That's it. The Trojans. That's, that's right. The Trojans. Um, what was uh, what was high school life like there? Like, what was life in North Carolina like compared to living upstate? Um, completely different. Completely different. You know, yeah. the people are different down the there compared different. to up here. The pace, it's slower yeah. down there. It's everything's quicker up here. Um. But it, it was that I, I, you know, I accredit growing up in two different places that you know also kind of formed into what I later on started calling fusion, exactly. where I was yeah. pairing things that you know were up here or you know the international influence you'd get up here that you wouldn't get so much in the south, but then in the south you're getting that southern comfort, yeah. you know, fried everything, you know, over the top, <laughs> uh, um, home meals, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I understand what you mean. Now, let me ask you this question, uh, just because I'm curious. Uh, I I hate to use the word foodie because it's become sort of like a negative word. Right. I'll say that growing up, I had a sister who went to culinary school, my, my Italian family on one side. Uh, food was like a big part of our lives growing up in a way that, uh, you know, I don't, it just was what it was. Like, right, right. Sat around the dinner table. Were you always interested in food? I was always. Yeah. Very, yeah. From the... Right from the get-go, I, I asked my uh, my nanny up here, is my mm-hmm. father's mother, um, you know, she she brought me into the kitchen. They actually owned um, a cafe when I was growing mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I grew up in that. Utica? Yep, in Utica. Oh. It, used to, it was Tony's Cafe. Tony's Cafe. Okay. Um, it used to be right next to where Joe's Pizza is in Whitesboro. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, Joe, Joe's Pizza, Philomena Costco, the owner of Joe's Pizza, is... Mm. I call her my aunt, but she's not really my aunt, but I was raised to her, you know, her and my grandmother are best friends since crib, so she raises my aunt, so I grew up in her pizza place and then the cafe next door in the summertime. Every year that petition comes out to change the Whitesboro seal to just a picture of those pizza, and <laughs> no, I sign right. it every year, right. I'm like, just make a Joe's pizza, that's, right. that's right. what I want. It should, it really should be. <laughs> so let me ask you, so West Brunswick, you're, you're doing the school thing down there, you went through a high school down there. Right. Um... Did you go? You went to college afterwards, or no? Um, I did. Uh, I did. I did a semester and just sitting behind a desk wasn't wasn't Not really for, yeah it wasn't really for me. I ended up um, going into the army. Yeah, I was, was gonna ask you about that. I had you. So you you did one year of college and was like, nah. No, nah, that, that's it. I was more kind of like, um, uh, and you know, I wanted to be. I was tired of school and sitting behind a desk and just wanted to do something. And listen, man, I got a, I got a bachelor's degree. Right. And by the time I was done with it. I was like, I, 
I don't think I can. Right. Right. And it's just uh, <laughs> so I did the whole army thing for a while, and then. Um, did you? I, I just want to ask because I'm curious. I I grew up with grandparents. My grandfather was a paratrooper. Uh, my dad was like Coast Guard or National Guard, wherever it was. But right. I grew up in this sort of generation that has a little bit of like. I feel like I should have probably. Oh, get out of don't, here! No, no, right. Uh, so yeah, I shouldn't yeah, feel bad about it. No, this, right? no, okay. get out of here. Mm-hmm. Listen, it's for some people, and yeah. it's not for other people, and not everybody's meant to do it either, you know. And it's that was uh, that was a whole other part of my that was a whole other part of my life, and the person I was and all the gung ho yeah, yeah. young teenager I was back then is no longer. I'm really? getting old now. <laughs> you still take, you, you feel like you took anything like lifestyle wise? Oh, from oh, definitely. That that. Uh, I'll tell you what, the, the military definitely gave me my, uh, I don't know if you want to call it my, my you know, my moral code or my ethics, but, sure. you know, you're, you, they definitely give you, like, your center of, of, you know, this is what's right and this is what's wrong, you know, and kind of give you that line to follow. Um, were you definitely stationed around me. here when you were doing that kind of thing? Um, I was all down south. All down actually. south. Yep, yeah. yep, okay. when I was here, so all down south. When did you, when did you actually make the full move upstate? Um, that would have been 2000 and, uh, hmm, 2008, 2008, 2008, I came back here. Um, now I'm curious because I'm glad you said, I'm not glad. It's interesting. You said 2008 because obviously what people know you most for around here is the Holy Smokes food truck. I that's right. I see it everywhere. That's right. Uh, and I was looking up a little bit of information about this a few weeks ago uh, because I knew you were coming in. And I was trying to figure out when the food truck industry really started to kick into gear. And it does seem to be around this 2008, 2009. 2008, time. 2009. What do, you, what do you attribute to that? Do you feel like it was... The time was just right, or I was actually I was I was just talking to somebody about this, and um, one of the interesting things that got brought up was that we were talking about was the fact that um, you know back back when my father was young, yeah. you know, in his generation, food trucks were they came out they were a big fad they were huge they were everywhere yeah. California coast they blew up it was a big thing, and then. Um, that lasted for a good five or ten years, and then they just kind of died off, and then you got into, like, the 70s and the 80s, and they were known as roach coaches, mm-hmm. and they had this bad stigmatism yeah. to them. Through the 90s, still kind of the roach coaches, but you started to see a pop-up here and there of, right. a, you know, a decent or a over-the-top food truck oh, built yeah. out. And then, again, going into the 2000s, and I think it was just... Um, it was that branch out of so many culinary professionals, mm-hmm. one going into the industry and not want, not being paid and sure. you know what they think they're worth or not being able to do what they want, really want to do in the kitchen yeah. or um, whatever it means. And also on top of that, the big the, the, the interesting thing was that we were talking about it and I was like, you know, I think part of the way that our society is nowadays is kind of making, it's kind of like, when people go to a food truck, they almost expect nowadays like an, an a more of a gourmet product yes. or an artisanal That's product or something it. along those lines. Yeah, and, the the idea has shifted, right? Right. Like, growing up in New York, not growing up, spending time in New York City was the first time I got really accustomed to, you know, how do I put it? Like eating street food in right. a way. Oh, yeah. But even, you know, even in New York at that time, you know, you still get a hot dog in the street corner, you get the nuts. But yep. you started to see... Like these Luke's Lobsters trucks going around. That's right. Tacos trucks. And you're like, wow, those are really elaborate. And then for a guy like me, I'm like a, I think about this kind of thing. 
feel like compared to opening like a brick and mortar store, like the overhead's got to be so much different in terms of what you deal with. It is. Yeah. The, the and the big thing is 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 once you get into it. The overhead can it actually can get to a point where it's more once you get into yeah. it in certain ways. Mm-hmm. But as far as your initial investment, initial investment. you can't be going into mm-hmm. the food truck over the brick and mortar, you know. And um, the the thing that I always tell people that are interested in getting into food trucks too with the food truck is, um, if you go get a brick and mortar, you know mm-hmm. you're not, you know, it's, you, let's let's say a minimum of two hundred fifty thousand dollars to open up a, right. a you know a decent sized restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, you're gonna go get a loan for that. Yeah. You know, you're 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 gonna take out a loan unless you're some crazy person's right. got that kind of money laying around. Yeah. You know, and um, <laughs> you do call right, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, that person when they go, if something happens, if the if the concept that they're going, that the restaurant they're trying to, the restaurant concept that doesn't work out, that they're trying to open, or it's not in a good location, or for whatever reason, or you you never know, they have family health issues and it doesn't work out. That restaurant is then owned by the bank, and you still owe yeah. the bank afterwards, regardless of what happens in a worst case scenario. With a food truck, it's a little bit different. You, you buy a food truck, and generally, even better if you have somebody build out a food truck for you specifically, yeah. whatever you put into that food truck, you can turn around and sell, if you had to, the food truck at the very end. So let's say it didn't work. You went and you yeah. tried to do egg rolls on a stick, and nobody wanted egg rolls on a stick. <laughs> I could do that. So, right? <laughs> right? So you said, oh, man, I'm done. I quit. Yeah. You turn around, you list the food truck, and within a, you know, it might take you a little while, but the food truck will sell, right. you know, and it's going to pay you more what, than what you had into it. So it's almost like a bailout. It's almost like a little security. It makes it feel a little bit better about spending that kind of money to get into a business, you know. Now, I have to ask you a question. Not a question. It's really more of a statement. I always think about it like just the simple logic of, you know, what's one of the most important things about starting a restaurant in general? Location, Right. right? A bad location can, can ruin you. You know, and I'm not trying to call anyone out. I remember as a young kid before I moved to New York, I went to I used to go to Grimaldi's a lot when I was a kid. Yep. And then maybe this is I don't know if this is right or wrong, but one of the guys from Grimaldi's left and opened his own restaurant here. It was called like Michael Gino's or something. Yep. Yep. And it was nice. It was good. But like I was like, I'm not coming back to this place ever again. Like, why would I come down here? Right. And I, right, and I always think right. like, location killed that place because it was just whatever. And you know, Grimaldi's right across the street still. It's like, why are you gonna? Right. Yeah. Why, why are you gonna go? But the the food truck thing sort of subverts that. You can make the location wherever you want, which has got to be super beneficial for that, you. Right. If it's if it's a bad location, shut the window. You pick up and you go to a better location. And at this time, almost three years in, you must have a good idea of where your locations are. The oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there was a lot of learning the first year, especially um, in this area. When when I started out, there wasn't other food trucks around, exactly. and they weren't doing it. So there was no learning the protocol, and mm-hmm. and you know trying to be respectful of other business, you know other restaurant establishments in sure. the area, and all kinds of permitting and working all that stuff out. It's a it's a giant learning curve. Did you get pushback initially from like some of the? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, really? definitely in the beginning. It mm-hmm. was. Um, it, I'll, I'll tell you this, Sam. My first year of doing Saranac Thursdays, and I had. The police called on me yeah. every single Saranac Thursday mm-hmm. for one reason or another. I don't think he can park there. Yeah. I don't think he has this permit. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has that. And I'd always have, I'm a guy, I like to do things right sure. from the get-go, so I don't have issues. And I would always have the permits, and I would Smart. always be in a parking area. And the police were always, they were always great dealing mm-hmm. with the issue, you know. It just got to a point where 
these same guys are coming and they just walk up and say, hey, Nick, I know you got it. Let me just check it and see it. Exactly. And, you know, have a nice day. Thank well, you. It's tough for them because they have to come now. Right, they have to. Them, right, right. It's like, right. Yeah. It's, That's odd to me. You know, I, I get it to a certain... I, I don't get it. I understand from a certain extent why someone would want to do that. Right, uh, right. I also think that it certainly, it comes a time where you were a little ahead of the curve, sort of. At least for right, around here, right. I'm not trying to knock you to go. No, no, no. In general, we It just had to hit this area yeah. and it branched out. Yeah. And that's the thing. It really, the food truck movement really started from a lot of the huge, larger cities and then branched into the yeah. kind of, you know, mm-hmm. other smaller cities surrounding that area. So let me ask you this. I want because I was curious you brought this up. You said someone to build out a truck for you. When you decided to do this project, so 24, you know, as you're getting ready in 2014, did you go to someone and say, this is what I want to do? What, what do you think I need? Or <laughs> So that gap of 2008, when I came yeah. back in the area all the way to 2014, I went to work. And uh, that was, uh, all those years were 60 plus hour weeks. 60 plus hour. And, and I just, I saved. I knew in 2008 when it came out, I knew I wanted to get into the restaurant business. And just like you said, I started crunching numbers. And I was like, all right, well. This is what it costs to get in a restaurant. And then the food truck thing started booming again. Mm-hmm. And they had always kind of like been interesting. It's a different, you know, being, like I said, again, the reason why I didn't get more than that one semester of college <laughs> yeah. I was because I like being on yeah. the move and doing things, you yeah, know, and, you know, being different little places and locations and, uh, and um, doing new things, learning new things. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, you know, let me start researching that. I started looking into the food truck thing. The overhead was obviously lower in the beginning. And sure. um, you can also, there's a lot that you can do as you go along mm-hmm. once you get started. Yeah. And uh, I crunched the numbers and I said, all right, I'm going to mm-hmm. save. Um, just, you know, just so you know, I don't know if you know, but you can't get a loan yeah. for a food truck. Really? You there? There's nobody, as far wow. as I'm aware of, it it is extreme. I'm sure there's somebody out there sure. that will, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. give you a loan. Huh. But as far as the average bank or inv- investor, well, it's it's you're you're not going to a bank and just saying I want a bank for a food truck. They're, it's too high risk. They consider it because a lot of those, a lot of times I think about this with banks in general and a lot of like process stuff. They tend to be a bit behind the trends. The right. bank, a bank's not going to say I'm going to give you a loan for this thing until right. they know no, that this thing. That's is, right. You know, and they want to see it, yeah. even if and if you're talking about if you're even if you get it approved, you had a strong business plan, yeah, a very yeah, strong yeah. business plan, and somebody liked mm-hmm. you at the bank. <laughs> now let me ask you this: um, the concept in general, the the bar- fusion barbecue, uh, the North Carolina thing starts to make more sense to me now. When you talk That's about right. that, where did you initial? Was that the initial idea? I want to take this North Carolina base and do something new with it. Was yep, that sort of where you're. That, that was that was kind of it, and. Um, I grew up, my family, we, we were always traveling. It was always, that's what I'm saying. We were always traveling or going somewhere different, especially all over the South. You know, my father pretty much took us all over the South and we were, or my, my whole family's big on, just like you said, food. We love food, Italians, you love food. That's right. So we'd go to all the different barbecue places and try it here and try it there. We had a really good barbecue pit right in, um, Shalot, which is the, the town that, uh, West Brunswick High School is in. And, um, it's. Uh, I just kind of grew up surrounded by it, and I got interested in it. Mm. And some of the uh, pitmasters down there were nice enough as me as a kid. I got interested in it and started asking, "Hey, can I hang out and yeah. learn things?" And they were okay with it. And I was used to working in a kitchen, mm. and um, it it worked out that way. I uh, I got a lot of experience from them, learned a lot from them over the years, and just kind of collected it. I uh, I looked this up, but I want to make sure. What's your actual job? Are you owner. 
owner, yeah, owner, operator. I do everything. When you own a food truck, yeah. you do everything. <laughs> well, I guess my question was, you must you design the menu then as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Design the menu. The there. I don't think there's anything that I haven't done that's associated with with the business other than build the website itself. I'm curious about this from a menu perspective. Uh, when I was living in New York, uh, one of the, the, the highbrow ideas that me and my buddy Adam, shout out Adam, had was <laughs> we basically wanted to open Politary Joe's in New York City and just do like poverty style Italian food, just meatballs, oh, peppers, right, bread, like right, that kind right. of thing. Uh, and we always like, and our, our thought was like, especially in New York, you need to have like one signature thing that people come for and then stay, or at least you, you build around an initial idea. So That's I guess right. what my question was, what was the first like menu item that you were like, this is what we're going to start with, and I'm going to base the item? Was there was it that kind of process, or did you have a whole smorgasbord? I out? that so and again going back to that gap. When I while I was working mm-hmm. um, and saving for, to do the food truck, I I had a lot of coworkers. I worked at Xerox before it closed, yes. right down here on Bleecker <laughs> oh, yeah. Street. So I had a lot of coworkers, um, and I worked in the payment center there, and we had a monthly food party, whatever you want to call it, and. Uh, I would always bring in something and test things out on them. And they, I tell them, hey, listen, or I'd bring things in through all out throughout the week and feed them mm-hmm. and say, here, you know, eat it. Let me know what you think. That's the yeah. only thing I want to know. I just want to know what you think. Yeah, yeah. And um, I started putting things together, and my macaroni and cheese was a big hit. I was going to say, that's that's got to be your, vis- your best seller, right? right? It is. The, the Mac Attack is that, well, this year it, it actually... The loaded salt potatoes actually kept mm. t- kept up with the with the Mac attack this year. It's a regional. You love those salt. Oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> you love those salt potatoes. Right. Right. I didn't know if it would uh, if it would take off as well as the Mac tag. I didn't know if it would be anything close to the Mac tag, and they are. They they sell just as much as the the Mac tags, which is surprising. So you just passed almost three full years of having right. the business now. Congratulations. By Thank the way. you very much. How how are things? How do you feel? Three years in from where you started, do you feel more comfortable now, or things oh, yeah. falling? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Just, uh, just, just with all the learning curves out of it, there's a lot that you learn in your first year. I tell everybody that gets into that. There's a couple people that I've, you know, that I've helped as they've gotten into their truck. Kind of, you know, they've there've been times where they were down in the dumps and some, you know, things happen constantly, and you're learning. And you gotta. My first year, I tried serving beverages in cups. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to do right, and I wanted to do sweet tea and lemonade, being that it was a barbecue truck. So I was brewing Southern sweet tea and uh, doing it fresh every morning and and whatnot. Put in the container. I could never find a way to not get it to slop all over the place and Mm -hmm. get on the floor. And then you got it's sticky, and you want to track bugs. And you know it's 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 a there's a lot that you don't think about initially. That's a that's a really good point. Just a little little for, right right yeah, yeah. little <laughs> things that you would never. I was just talking to somebody. We're designing a truck. Me and my father are designing a truck right oh, now nice. for somebody. And um, I was talking to that person last night, and they want to do uh, smoothies as one of their their menu options on that they want to do. And he goes, we were talking about where he would put the smoothie bar, and um, the previous guy I was talking to wanted to put it at the far end yeah. of the truck. Well, his three-bay sink was on the opposite side of the truck. Yeah. I says, well, every <laughs> yeah. time that you do a smoothie, yeah. I was like, you got to rinse it out, yeah. you know. And if the yeah. three-bay sink's on the other side, you got to walk the other <laughs> side of the truck every time. I was like, what if you're in a rush? I was like, no, you put the smoothie right across mm. from the three-bay sink. You know, it's just those little things that you don't, yeah. you, until you get in the back of it and you're actually doing it and you're like, oh, and you don't want to do it too late because then you're, you're in trouble. You're walking back and forth. 
What's your uh, What's your staff like at the moment? I'm curious of what kind of like yeah, family. Mostly family. Yeah, mostly family. You only have so many people on a staff that, for this kind of thing, right? That's right. You don't need many. My truck. I actually. I designed my truck so that it could run efficiently with two people. With two people. That's and that's and that's it. And Smart. it's actually I do I've done the last I do mm. events by myself. Mm. You know, it's not yeah. it's not anything crazy. You get into a large crowd and ask yeah. a family member to come down and help you out. Sure. Let me ask you a couple questions just some some questions I was thinking of. Uh, we sort of talked about the brick and mortar thing already. Um, I only think about it cuz this, I always specifically think of one place in New York. This place called the Halal Guys and they had a little cart on 56th and 6th in Manhattan, and they would get people lined up down the damn street. And for years, they wouldn't do a, they wouldn't do a brick and mortar. For years and years, I was like, nope, not doing it, not right. touching it, blah, blah, blah. And then when I went back to New York, finally, they finally <laughs> opened a brick and mortar. And it's still pretty busy, but it took me years and years to build up that sort of, uh, like, that drive, that fan right, base, right? Right, right, right. Uh, so I guess what my question for you is, is like, is that something in the future you even thought about? Would you want to open a brick and mortar if it was available, or is it not something that appeals to you? It's it's uh to be honest with you, I I I rent a commissary, I rent a commercial restaurant oh, sure. building out in Clark Mills. Oh nice. And okay. um, currently right now, the only thing that we use that commercial restaurant for is I rent it out to other food trucks in the area who need a commissary location. Mm-hmm. But it has a full front retail section. Yeah. It's all built out. The kitchen's yeah. there, and we use the kitchen and whatnot. We need seats and tables, and I could exactly. open it. It's just, just like you said, it's 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 kind of like the the halal guys. I just, I I got into it to really now that I'm doing the food truck, and I like the food truck. Yeah. It's different, you know. Like you said, that restaurant, you're you're in that same location all the time, and um, I guess if I ever grow to a point where it's in such a demand that I can't say no. Yeah. Then I'll then I'll get to that where I'll open it up. Would you rather truck instead as opposed to doing a brick and mortar? Like, have you thought about multiple trucks? I w- that's actually what we're in the process, process of right now. Right. So, um, I actually just opened up um, a lemonade and uh, sweet Southern sweet okay. tea uh, beverage trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have that, and then going into next season, we're looking to add another truck or two. Nice. So, nice. Cool. Um, it's something we've been working on for the last year already now. So we're just yeah. kind of. When we reveal it and get it out there, we nice. want to make sure it's nice awesome. and awesome. something great. different for the area cool. and um, adding a new uh, twist on things. Nice. Now, um, all right, we don't have to get into the uh, the meat and potatoes of all this, uh, but I tried to look up a little bit of info about this sort of food, food truck, truck rivalry. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I guess, can you sort of help me to understand what the crux of this issue really is? Because I, I don't know if a lot of our... Our listeners totally understand what goes on. With um, th- what it boiled down to was, uh, first off, there was there. There's no animosity between the sure, trucks themselves. Yeah. Um, all the truck owners, as far as I'm aware of, are mm-hmm. we're all getting along and yeah. and and uh, still talking to each other and all that kind of stuff. Um, it was more along the lines of uh, the Utica Food Truck Association um, and the group of us that belong to that mm-hmm. to that yeah. um, association. Uh, had a, a some agreements and contracts with uh, the media network that sponsors and puts on the, what, other, guys, yeah. the, the other event, yeah. and um, those agreements and those contracts were not being met. I see. We were nice enough to you know reagree to mm-hmm. um, different terms to make it easier for them to give something, give them partially what they wanted, and again those terms were broken and not met, and it didn't take very long for that to happen. So. Um, 
though the the terms that were being broken were affecting our business, we it it was going against the exact reasons why we formed the exactly. association. That's what I was gonna say. It almost it, seems kind of counterintuitive, right? Almost. And that's yeah. what and that's what it's become. It's yeah. it's just um, we are we won't deny that we're setting the bar very high for sure. the vendors within our association, but we also want that bar there because. There's nobody else holding a bar to anyone in in the area or any of these other vendors, and there's just some practices here and there that we don't believe in and we don't think should be part of a positive and a great event. And that's what we want to do is great events. You know, and I, and I saw you down at the Parkway for the last time I was down there, and it seems like you guys were doing just oh, yeah. fine. Oh. You know, this seems like one of those things in a weird way that probably both sides are pretty much fine with the way things turned out. It would yep. feel like. Yep, yeah. that's, uh, that's yeah. kind of how I feel. Uh, well, let's not let's not harp too much on that. I'm gonna ask you this question though, and you know I don't want you thrown under the bus. <laughs> Besides yourself, obviously, what's your favorite current food truck you've been seeing out there? Mm. Tough question, I know. Mm, that's a tough one. You know I'm gonna hear about this later. I know you. <laughs> well, you know what it is? I have to say I know you've been watching out for my buddy uh, Jason Ramirez. Yes, I, I have. I went to went to we played Ed Hagel baseball together. Went to oh, really? Together. Listen, Jason is. <laughs> There's a funny story to me and Jason. I don't know if you know it or not, but um, uh, prior to me starting uh, the food truck, and actually one of the things that finally kicked me in my last gear to get the food truck going and done was I was in a bad, I was in a very bad, um, uh, blowing up on the spot. Uh, that's right. I was in a very bad uh, motorcycle accident. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And um, uh, I. I was left in the middle of the road. I was hit by a car. I was in my motorcycle. Uh, a lady was doing 55 and a 30, blew a stop sign, teed me in the intersection. Um, I actually had my quite a... I was lucky to live. Let's put it that way. Um, my right leg was taken off, and I had to have my stomach mesh because my lining was ripped and broke every rib my right-hand side. I had to have my left wrist, wrist fused. I mean, I was in ICU for a couple weeks and, and whatnot, but... Jason was the Utica firefighter that responded to my accident. He's the one who actually Jason held my hand on the way to the um, to the to the hospital, and um, the guy. If you ever see him, I don't know if you know Mark Mano. Yes, I do. Mark it works in the back with Jason. They're best friends, and uh, they work together. They're both fire Utica firefighters, and uh, he works in the back of El Jefe's yeah. with with Jason. Yeah. Helps him out. And Mark was actually the driver of oh, the ambulance. Really? So and uh, That's wild. yeah, right, right, right. No, seriously, no, no. Listen, and they did, they did a great job. They got me to the hospital quick. And believe it or not, uh, Mark actually hit every pothole from East Utica to Saney's Hospital. And that by itself, I, I shook his hand. I was like, "There's a lot of potholes between here and Saney's." And uh, I was in rough shape, so I was feeling any of those potholes. That's a, that's a <laughs> wild story. <laughs> right. So years later, it comes full circle, and um, I had met the guys and thanked them after um, after I started getting back on my feet from the accident. And uh, come to find out, Jason ends up buying this food truck, and he was one of those guys where I've just kind of been there. Hey, Jason, listen, you helped me. You were there for me once. Help me out. Whatever you need, you let me know, and we'll make it happen, or I'll tell you what you need to know, and... He's doing great now. The truck's doing great. Well, listen, I didn't. I didn't put you on here. I didn't bring you on here to put over a tank. He's my buddy for a long right. time. No, listen. <laughs> no, 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 listen. I listen. They're two good guys. They deserve all the praise that uh, they get. They work uh, hard. You know, that's. I do the food truck thing full time. So some of the guys within the association who have like those guys are full time Utica firefighters, and then they do, you know, run at El Jefe's oh, and yeah, do yeah. a food truck. That's a whole nother. 
That's a lot of work. <laughs> what nickname do you call him? You call him Tank? Yeah, I Tank, call him Tank, Jay. Tank. Yeah, I'm all over the place. Uh, so we played Ed Hinko baseball together. We were on the Mets. And his dad was the assistant coach, and he was a pitcher, and I was a bench warmer. I was never, I was terrible <laughs> at baseball. But I was good at, like, busting chops and being, right, like, a right. you know, clubhouse guy. So <laughs> I used to make Jason laugh. When he was pitching, because I'd come up with terrible like nicknames for him and yell him. So for like a, for like six months, I was calling him El Camino. He was, he was, and, I, and his dad thought that was the funniest damn thing he ever heard. So I always think of him as El Camino now when I see him. Oh man! Uh, now I'm gonna start calling him. Well, yeah, right. He might not remember that. If you remember that, bring him. All right. So I, I got to get into one thing uh, before we get into the lightning round question. Well, two things. Okay. One, you just got recently got married not too long ago. Yes, correct? sir. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you very much. How's the married life treating you? It, it's going. Uh, it's good. You know, it's it's yeah. it's uh, it's kind of the same. We got more responsibility. You yeah. know, it's it's good. We had we, we were good before that. So that's good. Yeah. You know, yeah, even, was, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. You don't have kids yet, do you? Um, no, we don't. We are uh, we're in the process right now. All right. Good. Good. Yeah, working yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Working <laughs> on it. All right. I need to need to discuss this with you. I. Just, I guess, got to bring it up. I'm sure you've heard it before. You got the big beard. You got the swag. You love the food. You got a certain vibe. I'm sure you've got the Action Bronson comparison Oh, somewhere. here we so, go. I'm, yeah, sure, I'm sure you have. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just curious. All right, all right. Because like, I got to understand. You got to understand. I love Action Bronson. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> right, so I don't right, mean right, it in right. But I'm sure that as a guy of your you know, your right, style and right, your swag and right, you, right. you've probably heard that a lot. Oh, right? I I I, I would day. say that I hear it at least once a week. Yeah. <laughs> I, <was gonna> say. <laughs> I hear it at least once a week. Do you just does it bother you or have you come around? You know what? Week? In the beginning, it, it did only because I I actually I like action myself. Yeah, yeah. I watch this cooking show. You know, I love it. It's 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 down to earth yeah. and straightforward. <laughs> and um, in the beginning, though. I kind of took it as an insult, only because, only because he's like, well, he's like, he is like two or me, you know, like two. <laughs> he's, like, a, well, he's a big guy. He got bigger, right? He's somehow. big now, yeah. and I've seen like the recent photos yes. of him, and I'm just like, well, thanks, <laughs> you know. Oh, great! I, you know, I had a salad the last two nights, and here you go calling me action, you know. So I just, but I, you know, that's right. I've kind of gotten around. I'm like, yeah, whatever. To it is fair, what it is. I, I have a similar thing that I get sometimes. Uh, I do a podcast. I listen to Mark Marin. I talk like Mark Marin. <laughs> My buddy texts me all the time to when he's watching Glow. He's like, "Are you Mark Marin?" So like that happens a lot. Yeah, sort of come around. I guess. Yeah, yeah right. Fine. Right. That's right. Whatever. Yeah. yeah whatever. Fine. I've had people ask me. I've, I've. I have had somebody outside the truck last season. Who would not believe that I was not, was not him. action? I was like, listen, I swear to you, I will pull my license out. Here you go. I am not action Bronson. The kid wouldn't leave me alone. He was I need your autograph. I was like, listen, I'll give it to you, but it ain't going to be worth anything. Yeah. <laughs> you should definitely get a Brigzolino Twitter handle. Your own handle. Uh, all right. So thank you for indulging me in that. I just want to yeah. get that out of the way. Uh, and I want to say before we get to the lightning round question, uh, people want to go check out. Uh, you got the website. It's uh, Holy Smokes Barbecue And uh, where can people's? You guys are Tuesdays are always set up same place. Or? Tuesdays always on the Parkway Picnic in the Park event Wonderful. from four to eight with the rest of the Utica Food Truck Association. And uh, we'll have our last Saranac Thursday this Thursday, and then we will actually we're going to be opening up and doing some more street vending now that the season's starting. Uh, graduations are done and all that stuff. My uh, Kevin, who's on the show. Yes. Oh, yeah. He is 
excited for Thursdays to be Him and me both. We've had the conversation. It's it's kind of a love hate situation. You know, right. You love it, but then by the end of the you go you get you get through all a few of them and at the end of it you're like, man, I'm right, yeah. I'm burnt out. And I see what he goes through on Thursday mornings. Right. He's got to get up early. And do it's an all day, it's right? All day it's an day. all day event, and then you got to clean. It's an all night cleaning up afterwards, and you got to open up for business the next day. It's a bastard. <laughs> uh, so, Nick, uh, you know, continued success, obviously. We're Thank you very best much for you. Let's uh, let's do these lightning round questions real right. quick. Uh, these are the same six or so questions we've asked everybody who's been on the show for the last 70, 80 episodes, and we will start like this. Nick Briggs, when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee? Oh, uh, black. Black coffee. That's black. Add another tack on the list. That's right. <laughs> uh, what was your first automobile? Uh, 3000 GT. Really? Mitsubishi 3000 GT. Is that a Spider? No, it was not a Spider. <laughs> no, it was an SL. I <laughs> wish it was a Spider, and it was an automatic, That's unfortunately. A, that is a cool first car, though. That yes. was a cool. I Listen, I got a, I got a really good deal on it. Um... I bought it from a guy that had, uh, he owned a Holiday Inn out in Cooperstown, actually. Yeah, yeah. He owns that Holiday Inn, and he was going down a road by his house, and he took the front clip of it into a telephone pole. Oh. And he thought that he had ruined something the motor. All yeah. he did was cut the engine harness, yeah, yeah. so I rewired the engine harness and nice. put a new light in it, and it was all set to go. There you go. That's right. You may or may not have taken uh, your Mitsubishi 3000 GT to see it, uh, but what was your first live music event? Live music event would have been... Oh, Seether. Seether? Wow. Yeah, Seether. <laughs> totally um, I feel like. That's right. Uh, Seether, I was actually in the eighth grade. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. And House of Blues in North Carolina, or South Carolina, actually. That's really cool. Yep. Nice. All right, so let me give you, uh, give me, I'll give you one here. Um, let's say you're going to have dinner. Any person you want, living or dead, who is not your family, who would you like to sit down and have dinner with? Oh. It's a tough one. I know that is a tough it's one. Of the tougher one. questions. Hmm. I can give you a minute if you want to come back to it. Yeah, I'll, right. t- I'll take a minute we'll, on that one. We'll come back on that one. I'll okay. give you this one. This is a more uh, this is a more topical one. Give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Book, album, or television show I'm currently watching alone, hmm. um, on the History Channel. Really? Yep. I love history stuff. What's it about? It is, uh, it's, you get stranded, it's about a group of individuals, they individually get stranded in remote locations, um, and, uh, they have to survive. Whoever oh, survives man. the longest, whoever taps out last, yeah, yeah. gets a million dollars and uh-huh. has to go home, but these guys are... So, like, Survivor Man, but, like, competition almost. Kind of. You only yeah, get yeah. dropped off, you get a choice of seven items oh, okay. that you get to bring oh, with you. And then your clothes on your back. Look this up. That's right. Oh, listen, it's a good show. <laughs> <gonna look> <laughs> uh, you want to check your dinner question one more time before I? Um, yep, yep. Dinner, dinner. I would probably not see. You had to throw the not family at me. Not family. Well, you know what it is because everyone, my everyone's easy answers like my grandparents. Like right, my right, 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 uh, right. Um, I usually say Rod Serling because I love the Twilight. Right. <laughs> I you know, honestly, I'd probably have to say. Hmm. Uh, Mashahari Morimoto. Oh, I probably that one gets me right. Yeah, I probably only because I'd have to talk to him about food. Um, well, listen, I I have to say yeah, that's funny to bring that up because I that was one of the first food shows that I ever remember really, really being like gung ho for. Right. 
Now, mind you, this was in college, and I just loved the terrible, like, design of the old Japanese show and the right, way right. they would talk about stuff. <laughs> right. Just like, uh, Quizon, we have a... I love that. It's great. It's amazing. Right, right. Uh, but it's funny, like, as I got older, I like, learned more about him, and he's fascinating. He's, right, he's very, yeah, that's, I've actually, I've read his book. He's, oh, he's really? very, he's very intelligent, very unique and creative in anything that I've, that I've seen him do, and his, his skills as a chef are... I mean, in my opinion, they're yeah. they're second to none. I mean, he's very intense and uh, accurate. He's a very yeah, yeah. you know he's. I mean, if that's who I was gonna go, right? Yeah. He's very disciplined and he knows a lot of techniques that um, you can't really learn anymore. Like even if you go to a school, you're not getting that in depth on some of the things that he knows. Are you a uh, Anthony Bourdain guy at all? Do you like Bourdain? I actually do like Bourdain, yeah. you know? He was uh, one of the first ones, too. I read that book. It was one of the first like, right. culinary books that I read with right. Kitchen Confidential. And right, was, yep. I was working at a restaurant in Times Square at the time, and I was just like, man, some of this stuff really right. is... Right, he gets into yeah, it. Yeah, he really did. Um, I didn't get through his book. Um, he had a lot of books down. Yeah, he's a, that, that first one, um, it was... Back then, though, he was also... He was still really dry. I feel he's come a long way... Yeah, yeah. ...as far as a writer... Oh, yeah, um, for sure. You know, and even on air, you know. Well, you know what it is? Actually, I loved watching... What was the food one he did? No Reservation? Yep. He also did the travel show, Parts um, Unknown. Parts Unknown. Um, and there was an episode of Parts Unknown, if you have Netflix or anyone. Uh, there's an episode where he goes to Lyon in France, and he goes to, like, the whatever that... The big uh, culinary school is, like, the famous French culinary school. Yeah, Cordon. The, yeah. Like Cordon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... it's wild just like right right oh i'm always curious I, I, that's one of the things i want to do if i go to europe is i'd love to just eat in europe because the way they feel about food is so different it's completely it right yeah. that's and and the thing is it's it's crazy you french cooking is as again it's one of those you're yeah. it's technical cooking there's a lot that goes into it and you're babysitting that food and yeah. it's uh it's a lot of cream a lot of butter you know they they don't uh they don't shy away from using ingredients for fat or anything like that. Portion size different too. You know, I have uh, my very good friend uh, Tim Hardiman's coming in from uh, Taylor and Cook in a few weeks, and we've talked about this in the past. Like as Americans, we sometimes get used over-indulged. to overindulging. Yeah. Like, the, the, the portion sizes in other countries are nowhere near as big as they are here, and it's, no. it's hard for a lot of Americans to think of going back from that. You're so used right, to it, right, 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 right. Uh, all right, and I guess my last question for you, Nick, and I, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. No, thanks for having me. Uh, besides, obviously, uh, the food truck and your family uh, and your community in North Carolina and all, your, uh, all the things you're involved in, give me one more thing that you, Nick Briggs, are passionate about. Um, I have a... Does, does adrenaline count? Are you an adrenaline junkie? I am an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. when I'm not in the kitchen, I'm doing something stupid, as my wife calls yeah, it. Yeah. Wild, whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just like you brought up the Jeep in the beginning. I'm off-roading or, you, you know. I have to ask you. You got the motorcycle accident. Do you ever motorcycle? Ever I, I actually, um, so I spent a, a, a year in a wheelchair after the accident. Mm-hmm. And uh, the day that I got out of the wheelchair, I did two things. I went to the fire department, and I think I brought them coffee and donuts <laughs> yeah. and thanked the guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then I had a friend bring over, uh, a bike and I zip tied a cane to it and I says, I'll be right back. I'm going to go down the road and come back. And then an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes later, I got back from Sylvan beach. (laughs) (laughs) So you still love it. I still, I still, I still love it. It's just something like I said, I'm adrenaline junkie and you know, you can't beat riding a bike and getting on an open road and taking off. 
Uh, listen, uh, again, you've been doing great work with the uh, with the food truck. Holy smokes, kills it everywhere it goes. I love what you, you guys are doing. Uh, much, I wish you the best of success Thank going you. forward. It's a real much, pleasure. Man. I appreciate it. Oh no, my, my, I'm glad we finally got you, on. <laughs> <laughs> folks. We'll be back to the show in just a moment. stirred my coffee now and it doesn't look like it doesn't look like kombucha anymore (laughs) it was very it was very gross you know who was not gross was nick briggs he was the man thank you so much to nick for coming in had a great time talking to him great guy anytime you see the truck go chat with nick he's always uh yeah that's how we made friends he was just in an event we got talking we ended up talking like an hour great guy yeah really really super cool dude uh all right so uh i was at my office today uh, and I had the ability to actually sit down and look at some good history lessons in depth. So you guys should really... Um, He's got printouts. <laughs> okay. I, I got another curtain pull for you and guys. Highlighted them? Highlight, yeah. highlight, See, it's still yeah, the slow highlight. part of the school <laughs> year. It's still the slow part of the school year. Oh, no, this was on my lunch break. Uh, so I have to say, um, I'm going to pull the curtain back. Somebody brought this up to me a couple weeks ago, and I wanted to make it clear. When I talk about like this day in history, I need to be clear that not everything we talk about happens on this exact day that I'm doing this because it doesn't make sense for recording. So there is like a two or three days. Does that span. make us fake news? Oh no, it makes us. I think we might be. Yeah. Are we fake news? Yeah. So on this day, you said on this. Day. So on. So I guess going forward, on these three days, September 18th, 19th, and 20th are the days that we're talking about. And I'll try and be more specific in the future. Okay. Sure. Very good. All right, on this day, September 19th, 1881, President Andrew Garfield succumbs to wounds he suffered in a shooting accident, uh, right, an assassination attempt, pardon me. Uh, 80 days after his failed, uh, a failed office seeker shot him in Washington, D.C., the 20th President of the United States, James Garfield, died from complications of his wounds. Uh, only four months into his administration, the president was shot as he walked through a railway waiting station in Washington. His assailant... Charles Guiteau was disgruntled and, poss- and possibly insane man who had unsuccessfully sought an appointment for the U.S. Council of Paris. Uh, the president was shot in the back in the arm, and the uh, and Guiteau immediately surrendered. So, give me a job, nah, word, I'm going to shoot you in the subway, is basically the, the short version of that story. Fair enough. Uh, he actually, it's, he survived 80 days. He actually died from blood poisoning, not from mm. the bullet. No, so yeah. There you go. Blood poisoning. 1881, different times. 1881, <laughs> things will get you. Um, different times. A whole different time in medicine. There's like, yeah, well, your blood's haunted by evil spirits. You should probably just do some cocaine about it. Yeah, that's, like, that's the end yeah. of their medicine. Uh, Garfield, who was mostly ill, was actually treated at the White House and was then taken to a seashore in New Jersey where he attempted to recuperate with his family. Because, again, this is where medical science was wow. in this day. I was waiting for you to say attempted to sell seashells. <laughs> Uh, he never left his sickbed, and he performed only one official act during his 80 days before he died, the signing of an extradition paper. So there you go. James Gar- Andrew Garfield. James Garfield? James Garfield. Whatever. What did I say? Andrew? James Garfield. Andrew Garfield is that fella from the newer Spider-Man. He's very movies. handsome, that one. Not the newest. James Garfield. James Garfield. All right. On this day, on September 18th, 1917, 
All this Huxley was hired at Eton University. One of his students, a gentleman named Eric Blair, would go on to be George Orwell. I didn't know that until oh. today. Mm. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Aldous Huxley, one of my favorite authors, he was born into a prominent family. Uh, his father was a uh, proponent of Darwin, and his grandfather was a famous biologist. Uh, he was barely able to read, but he nevertheless graduated from Oxford in 1916. Uh, he produced some satirical novels, but his most popular book was 1932's Brave New World, which he wrote in four months, uh, which is, as I've talked about on this show, one of my favorite books of all time. Here's a cool fact about him. He became a screenwriter in the 1930s. Uh, he produced the screenplays for Pride and Prejudice in 1940, starring Laurence Olivier and Jane Eyre. He also became a proponent of the controlled use of psychedelic drugs to liberate the mind. He wrote two books about it, including The Doors of Perception and Heaven and Hell. Uh, he died in 1963. Never read Brave New Worlds. Uh, Aldous Huxley is a chill dude. I don't have any funny narrative. Do you ever read Brave New Worlds? No. Do you ever read Doors of Perception? No. Have you ever casually used acid to get greater insight into the world around you? <laughs> All right, that's that. the Fifth Amendment. That's the Fifth Amendment right there. All right, so we'll move on then. Uh, I, I mean that as a I mean that as a rhetorical Ow. question. Sorry, guys. Um, all right, on this day, September twentieth, nineteen seventy three, uh, the Battle of the Sexes Part Two took place as Billie Jean King defeated Bobby Riggs. Are they making a movie about that? They are making Steve a movie. Steve Carell and Emma Stone. Steve Carell and Emma Stone. I'm very excited for that movie. It's gonna be great. Those two are great together. Yeah. Um, if you. We talked about wrestling parallels with politics, but if you look up some of the uh, some of the story behind this, there's a lot of professional wrestling parallel in this too. Uh, so Bobby Riggs, who was 55 years old at the time, uh, Billie Jean King was uh, 22, so it seemed kind of obvious that she would beat him in hindsight. But he'd actually already fought. Uh, he already fought. He'd already played tennis against a woman and won. He used it as a platform uh, to challenge uh, to challenge Billie Jean King again. And he dubbed her, this is very of the time, the leading woman's liber of tennis. So this is a very, you can make that argument today now, couldn't you, for somebody? I feel like people are using that one again. For what? For liberals. He called her a liber. (laughs) Is that what that is? I assume so. I don't know. I don't know about that. Wow, what would you think it would be? I don't know. I don't think it's that, though. I think it is. That's fair. I don't know. I'm going to look it up. Probably like lib in like women's liberation. Well, maybe she's a liber then. A liber? Liber. L-I-B-B-E-R. Yeah, she's a liberation. Like somebody who's, yeah, probably women's liberation in the 70s. Well, that's kind of liberal, isn't it? I suppose. Same root of the word. All right, so to be fair, though, so, well, she did, after his death, sort of compliment him and say that he accidentally contributed to the advancement of, like, sexual equality. Which is kind of an interesting take to have somebody who was like your rival for all this time. Uh, she sort of said that this battle sort of helped advance women's tennis and sort of women everywhere for that era. And it was a really big deal. My mom talks about this all the time, actually. Mm-hmm. She remembers watching it everywhere. So, all right, moving on. September 1990. Well, I thought we were moving on. Uh, oh, just to another history lesson. Uh, uh, it's missing. It's 1990. Uh, on this day in 1990, Martin Scorsese's uh, mafia film Goodfellas opened in theaters, starring Ray Liotta, Robert De Niro, Lorraine Bracco, and Joe Pesci. Um, this was like an important movie for me. I don't know. What was the first R-rated movie you ever saw, Heather? The Exorcist. The Exorcist? Oof, Jesus. Really? The Exorcist? That was your first one? Yeah, no, right? <laughs> <laughs> what was your first R-rated movie? I don't really remember. Off the, the top of my head. Goodfellas is up there for me. It was yeah, either it was either Terminator, Aliens, or Goodfellas, because I watched them all in sort of like around the same time. It was also a big movie for my dad. Mm-hmm. He really wanted to watch this movie with me. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I can I can see that. It probably reminded your dad back of like growing up in the neighborhood. <laughs> uh, so uh, Goodfellas actually earned six Academy Award nominations: Best Picture, Best Director. Joe Pesci won a Best Supporting Actor Oscar uh, for his portrayal of Tommy DeVito, which he's really good in the movie. He really is. It's true. Um, the, of all these actors, I feel like the only one that nobody seems to like anymore is Leota, and that might just be you and me. I think other people like. No, you love Leota. <laughs> you're like, obsessed with Ray Liotta. don't you dare ah, come on this show try to tell me ah, that you're on team no Ray Liotta I think I've been Ray team Liotta, no Ray Liotta for 15 years I think that Ray Liotta that's why is, Casino's a better movie hot take I think that Ray Liotta is gangbusters in this movie he's absolutely perfect in this movie and then I really don't like him in much else he's alright in that movie but he's so he's the worst part of that movie for me what character is he? He's the main he's the guy. Main guy. He's, oh, the main, okay. he's Henry Hill. Okay. All right, there I go. He's I the mean, one who uh, Joe Pesci asked him if why yeah. he's funny. Funny how? Uh, yeah, Pesci, Pesci was, can I say for me, I was probably trying to think of how old I was. My dad was still living in Sequoia, so I'm trying to think of the age range. Uh, but, like, Pesci was a revelation for young me. Like, I thought Pesci was the funniest, most amazing thing. See, I, I didn't see I, that version of him until much later because I saw Home Alone at a young age. <laughs> yeah. and that's Home all Alone. I knew of Joe Pesci. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, because, yeah, that's all I'm used to. It's like, wait a minute. Pesci is a man. It must have been crazy for, like, our parents and older folks to, like, take their kids to see Home Alone and see, like, Tommy DeVito just (laughs) as the house robber. So here's an interesting thing, right? I went to the... uh, During the get-down, I went to see the first half of Guardians of the Galaxy in the theater before I had to go over to to Nail, right? And it's me, my mom, my stepdad, and my niece and nephew. And uh, my niece and nephew have never seen Guardians, so I'm watching the first half of the movie with them. They're asking me all sorts of questions, and I can tell that when things are getting scary and kind of upsetting, they're, like, not feeling it. They ask a lot more questions. Like, mm-hmm. somebody openly dies in that movie. I forget about it. And it's kind of and like, what's that liquid that's running down? I'm like, just liquid. Don't worry about Your it. Your nephew right? is not into scary stuff either, right? No, not really. But I wonder, though, like, I wonder if I was like that with my dad, because I don't think I was like that when I was watching this movie. I feel like I was just sort of like, oh, my God, what is this? Do you know what I mean? Like that movie's a different kind of scary. It's still easier to understand because they're humans doing yeah. real human things. Like, Guardians of the Galaxy, they're in space. Yeah. There's yeah. monsters. And little kids at the age are like, wait a minute, is this... Yeah, I've never seen Is this, this real? Yeah. Like, that, that line is kind of blurred yeah, for kids, younger kids. You kids don't I mean? trust movies. I trust movies for the most part. I feel like I, I'm like, no, just wait. The movie will explain what's going to happen. Just sort of go with it. You yeah. know what I mean? Because when you're a kid, like the alien monsters and bad guys are scarier than just like a regular mobster with a gun. It's yeah. not until you get older when you realize that it's the real stuff that's the scariest. Yeah, yeah. So for a young kid, it's just they're about like, the scale. This? You know what I mean? <laughs> that's like it. The real stuff is the scariest. See? See? It all comes back to it. All right, last one. And I won't go too long on this one. I just thought it was interesting. Uh, September 19th, 2000. Uh, Michael Chabin uh, he, uh, writes and debuts his Pulitzer Prize winning novel, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Uh, it's an awesome book for anyone who's never read it. Uh, it is a. Makes you feel better, Heather. I don't uh, know I do. any of the words he's using. So we're in the same boat. Uh, Michael Chabin wrote uh, the book never Wonder heard of him. He wrote the book Wonder Boys. He also wrote Mysteries of Pittsburgh, Summerland. He's a really great, uh, he's a really great writer. Uh, it's a great book. If you've never read it before, you should read it. Won a Pulitzer Prize in 2001. It's about uh, the early era, 19, mid-1920s story of like comic book creators growing up in New York. And it's really, really cool. Uh, that's it. I'll take your word for it. All right, fine. <laughs> Done. That's it. All the history lessons for this week. Uh, speaking of history, uh, it's already ancient history in the news cycle, but did you guys know that last night... Well, first off, did you know that last night was the Emmys? No. No, not, I didn't know until I you, read it this morning on Facebook. You kept talking about it all day, but I did not know what was happening until you kept telling me. And being like, oh, I guess the Emmys is on tonight. Ha ha. 
Oh, it's probably starting right now. Ha, ha. I flipped and over. And all of a sudden, ha, ha, the Emmys were on the TV. <laughs> well, to be, I didn't really watch Emmys last night. I watched no, I maybe 30 seconds I'm of it, to be honest. I'm just teasing. I tried to you find are. something. I tried, though. Well, because we've talked about it before. I like live I action. I pageantry. I like pageantry. I like live action events that people react to online at the same time. This yes. Was a good, this was a good a chance that. for this. Good Twitter event. And I think but that nobody cares about the Emmys. Yeah, that's the thing. Like nobody's interested anymore, and I want to get into them, but I. I only can't. like I like the Grammys because people perform. Mm-hmm. I like live performances. Put some yeah. music performances that's on the true. Emmys, and you'll have me watch it a little mm-hmm. more. So because we didn't watch it, I'm just gonna run through the winners and losers and see what you guys think. Apparently, The Handmaid's Tale was a big winner. Any thoughts on Handmaid's Tale? Do you feel like you need to watch it now that it won for best show? Uh, I want to watch it. I'm more interested in watching it now. It. He liked it. So. It doesn't affect my level of interest in it. It's not to say I don't have interest, but I don't want to watch it any more or less than I did before it won. Mm. Here's the loser narrative coming out. Apparently, people are calling Netflix the loser because uh, Hulu beat them to an actual major reward first, even though Amazon and Netflix had sort of been floating around it. I think Netflix it. has way more. I would like better. to compare both of their bottom lines and see who the real winners and losers <laughs> are. Let's get real. Well, one of the big hits, true. Uh, Winner, something called Big Little Lies, which won a bunch of stuff last night that I've never seen. I saw a couple episodes of it. Was it good? I didn't like it. It was on HBO. It's on HBO. It's too many common words that they use in shows, Jander. Big Little Lies, Pretty Little Liar, Little Big House, Big (laughs) House of Lies. It's all like all this, you know what I mean? (laughs) It becomes a whole. I can't keep any of these things straight. I didn't find it to be anything. I was was actually surprised that they had won. So... Here's a big winner of the night. Uh, the ultimate, my favorite queen of all time, yes, queen, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, winning her sixth straight Emmy for uh, for her work on Veep. She's won eight all t- is like tied for most all time. Her and, like, Cloris Leachman. And that own. show's done now, right? Are they on their last Next season? Next year is their last season. I actually really like Veep and then sort of fell off of it just because I don't uh, remember, like, to watch it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And now it feels too far away. Uh, I don't watch the show This Is Us, but apparently Sterling K. Brown gave a very good interview. Uh, it was very interesting, or a very good acceptance speech. It stars uh, one of my all-time, all-times, Mandy Moore. Oh. Uh, yeah. All-time. Uh, I don't know this is... My mom loves This Is Us, and she's probably going to be mad at me for not knowing who this guy no, is. No, it's very... And, yeah. she's, she's target demographic. Yeah, it's, there's a... All my girlfriends watch. Yeah, from what I understand, it's like just show to watch and like cry. You want to cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You want to cry and like live mm. your through catharsis <laughs> vicariously. <laughs> Apparently Saturday Night Live won a lot of stuff. Saturday Night Live I feel like always wins every year. I feel like it's almost unfair. I feel like they go in waves. They're in a hot wave they now. They definitely don't win some years. I think they're, they're deserving this year. <laughs> uh, everyone said Stephen Colbert was pretty good, but then the, I guess the big story was that Sean Spicer showed up. Did you guys read about this? I did. Yeah, I did today. Do you think <laughs> it seems to be gone pretty negative is the reaction he showed up. Like people didn't know how to handle it. They like, were shocked when he came rolling out on there, but I don't... Well, it's kind of weird to have somebody who you've been sort of, like, the media's trained you to be like, this guy's the worst, and then have him come out and be like, come on, guys, I'm just goofing around like you. Sort of, like, it's a weird narrative for... Sean. Well, I think it's disgusting, because everybody loved it, and people were laughing about it, everybody thought it was so funny, but, like, all you're doing is normalizing the, the, the lies and the damage that this person inflicted upon all of us. Don't normalize yeah, it hoping. and give them a reward for yeah. their behavior. Like, that's yeah. just, we reward bad behavior? Come on. When I saw it, I was hoping that no one was going to clap or anything, but mm. no, we got. I mean, they're Hollywood folks. They're not just, they're, who knows what goes on. I'm sure. I guess they're not. They're TV folks. They're not really Hollywood folks. They still live sure. out there. Um, I guess I guess we don't have to talk about the Cassini mission too much. If anyone's interested, uh, there's been a lot of talk. The 20-year mission of the Cassini uh, satellite to uh, take pictures of Saturn and its surrounding environment ended this week. There's some really cool video of the, the satellite, mm-hmm. some composite video of what the satellite would look like exploding. 
are evaporating in the environment. A lot of great content. I spent a lot of time looking at um, space photography and yeah. reading about both our local galactic neighborhood and you know space as a whole and everything. Mm-hmm. The Cassini spacecraft has sent back a lot of remarkable imagery, specifically of Saturn and Jupiter, that I'd recommend uh, people check out on the internet because there's some really, really cool stuff. Uh, the Cassini traveled 4.9 billion miles over its 20 years, discovering six Saturnian moons and collecting 635 gigabytes worth of scientific data. Uh, Low spaceship is no more. The hard, exciting work pouring through the information is just now beginning. You know what's crazy about that? They con- they collected 650 gigs or so, you said? Mm-hmm. So they launched it like 20 years ago. Yeah. Think about how much space it took to physically store 650 gigabytes 20 years oh, ago. Yeah. And now you can store a terabyte like on something the size of a cell phone nowadays. <laughs> Interesting. So here's a real downer story for me, and I want you... I'm gonna, how concerned do you guys think I should be about this story? Uh, this Supremely. Is... Panic. <laughs> Liquidate your assets and move to the hills. Uh, experts are now warning of a link between tattoos and cancer. Uh, authorities, uh, a survey of 1,000 Australians last year showed that one in five Australians are sporting ink. However, a lot of experts are warning that we should rethink our love of tattoos. Reachers from the European uh, Secut- uh, Secretone Radiation Facility in France says the chemicals in tattoo ink can travel into the bloodstream and accumulate in the lymph nodes, obstructing the ability to fight infections. I have a tattoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I think the idea here is that, like, okay, tattoo culture is much more prevalent now. Like, it's exploded in the last ten years. And I think the Our idea kindergarten teachers with full sleeves and chest pieces. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so basically, I think the idea here is that because a lot more people were tattooed, there really was never a lot of research done on what tattoos actually did to you because mm-hmm. it didn't really. Why would you, you know what I mean? Well, a lot mm-hmm. of people who got them weren't the people. I don't know if I believe it. You don't know if you believe it? You don't think injecting heavy metals and inks underneath your skin and into your body can have some sort of effect? I don't know if it's heavy. Well, this is what they said. The report published in Peer Review. Must have a lot of a lot Interesting. of Interesting. Well, here. There have to be a lot of tattoos for it, too. I think that's a fair think, point, too. Like, a little, like, tattoo is She's just trying to talk herself you, out of the danger of like, her own. Oh, my God. She's like, well, I think if it's, like, just, you know, a really, like, polite <laughs> dolphin on the ankle, you're probably fine. <laughs> but, like... <laughs> Well, I'm just going to... Here, I'll say it. Right? I, listen, I have way more tattoos than you. I'm not you concerned. Do. So don't worry. Um, their reports published in a peer-reviewed journal, Scientific Reports, noted that ink can contain tiny particles of heavy metals such as nickel, chromium, magnesium, and cobalt, as well as other toxic impurities. Uh, one color, however, was far more dangerous than the rest. Please don't be mine. Titanium dioxide, which is a chemical commonly used to create white ink, uh, is known to increase a person's risk of developing cancer. It also causes itching, irritation, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so yeah, I think it was, I think this is, uh, it's not a huge deal. You shouldn't worry about this at all. I think there is an interesting point to be made here though, that like we do, I see like a million people with full giant no. sleeve tattoos, giant color ink tattoos. And I never really gave it much thought about like, I wonder if that ink really is good for you because I didn't long, read. Long term, we won't find out until we find out. Do you know how they get rid of tattoos with the lasers and stuff? Yeah. Do you know what it actually does when you do that? It burns your skin off. It does not. No. It breaks down the ink into smaller particles so that the ink can get ingested into your bloodstream and you can uh, expectorate it through your small intestine. Like you, you Exceptional use of expectorate. Yeah. Um, uh, so you don't... It, so what you really do is you, you break down the ink enough to go into then, your bloodstream. Yeah. Right? Now, are you concerned because you got a lot of your tattoos in your kitchen in Brooklyn? <laughs> <laughs> Does that make you more or less I mean, concerned? This makes me less concerned because I got my tattoos in a kitchen and it was a long time ago and I'm fine now. Do you know what I mean? I seem well, so okay. Far. So far. I mean, look, I'm... 
I think 50 years old that mecha shark tattoo comes alive. I, that's my superpower I've been waiting for all this time. Were you showing off the tats in the dark tank? Were you sleeveless down there? I had a Nick's yeah. jersey on. Yeah. There you go. Nick's jersey. There you go. Yeah. Let everybody know what time it is. Yeah, it was... Uh, they were doing tattooing live at the brewery over the weekend. They were? People were getting tattoos right in our lot. Oh, I mean, I would get a live tattoo. Look, I... Uh, here's the thing, right? And I'm, I guess I'm guilty of this, right? When I got my first tattoo... I did all the stuff, right? I used the A and D ointment, and I put the yeah. moisturizer on. I wrapped it, and I put the stuff. When I got the last tattoo, when I got the little galaxy planet down here, uh, I think I put like uh, a little bit of A and D on it, and then just sort of fell asleep on it for five days, and it was fine. You know what I mean? Like I, you gave. It's like anything else. When you have like eight kids, when he falls down the stairs, you're like, just get up, okay? Your other seven siblings were fine when they did it. You know what I mean? I think that certainly is how I feel. Plus, now it seems more dangerous and cooler to have tattoos because they're going to kill you, right? You are pretty edgy, I will say. Particularly You're a pretty edgy and dangerous guy. You're just a bad boy. Oh, I'm an Apple guy, so I'm obviously very, very edgy. As you know, all Apple people are very edgy. No, certainly individuals. This is is nice. (laughs) This is my heavy (laughs) segue into talking about the Apple Expo. Kevin, you must be very excited to talk about. Uh, Sure. I mean, I'm not not mad about it. Everybody knows... Uh, so, okay. obviously it was big news last week. Apple had their big Apple public event last Tuesday, uh, right actually the day after we did the podcast. So it was kind of hard for me to go back and look up a lot of this stuff. That's why we put it right at the end. Uh, so, Heather, you are an Apple person along mm-hmm. with me, right? Yep. So let me ask you, from someone who already buys in, was there anything particular, whether it was the Apple Watch or the Apple TV or the 8s or the X, that you particularly thought was cool or interesting? I think the X is cool. They didn't put it out there as something they're going to sell out of or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of a look into the future. So I don't find anything wrong with the the X. I know a lot of people have been complaining about it. I Um, think it's an interesting strategy. Not an interesting strategy. It's It's a good strategy to make a luxury version of your yeah. phone because people will obviously pay the money for it, mm-hmm. right? People are already paying a ton of money for a phone. What's the difference between $800 and $1,000 if the $1,000 phone is... $200. Right, but if people are going to pay for it... It's like when you buy a car, you, know I mean? you can buy a BMW kind it, of... I think, it, I think it's a it's a very interesting brand strategy to soft open the bump up in your price point. Mm-hmm. Uh, because two years from now, like you know, now it's the well, this is the luxury phone, and this is the thousand dollar phone. Two years from now, they'll all be on that baseline. You won't be able to get an eight hundred, seven hundred dollar phone anymore. You know what sure. I mean? So it's an interesting way for them to sort of take what's, you know, you already look at it. It's already a luxury product. You know what I mean? Yeah. Smartphones <clears throat> as a whole are already a luxury product. Sure. And you look at the computing power you have. So it's an interesting way for them to jump up into the next payment bracket, and it seems like it's going to go really well for them. Mm. And people will pay it now that people are forced to pay monthly at their carriers as well. So what the hell do they care? People aren't doing the math to add up what they're actually paying for a phone anymore. So it's smart for them. They're going to make a ton of money. Let me I ask you my six plus. It was in my phone though. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this question: As somebody who it. doesn't particularly like buy into the Apple thing immediately, did you look at any of the Apple like X stuff, or iPhone X stuff, or iPhone Ten, whatever they're calling it, and say that's interesting or cool? Did you think it? Do you, what do you think about it? in general as in there was nothing um there was nothing that jumped out at me as cool enough to be like anything i'm like huh there i'll put it this way there was nothing that jumped out at me to justify what they want for it Mm -hmm. um i it's it's crazy to me and sometimes i feel like a tinfoil hat person but like now the big thing they're pitching is like oh you can unlock your phone with facial recognition yeah. And it's just like, yep, yeah, I'm sure that Apple's totally responsibly and ethically compiling everybody's faces for 3D <laughs> data storage. And, but, like, that's uh, what it is. But and that's it's just, what we're going to come to, so they're 
There's the other so let's side just of that embrace argument. Big Brother with open arms. Like it's just it's a weird thing that they keep having because for a long time when the internet was getting popular and everything was coming up, like they're gonna spy on us, they're gonna spy on us, and like people used to be concerned about a thing like that. Now people are like, well, they make it comfortable and easy, and plus there's like shiny things to look at, so let them do it. And it's just weird how the cultural outlook on things like that has changed in. Uh, inside of 10 years. It's just crazy to see such an about face in the culture at large. What's interesting is it's going to cost $1,000 for the 64 gig one, but there is going to be a 256 gig one. I wonder how much when that one is going to cost. Know. It's probably outrageous. I have 250... With the facial recognition, how do you turn on your phone at night? Like, you know when you go and you turn on your phone? Well, it's probably optional. It? You can, I'm sure you can probably still do a pin or whatever. Know. But um, <laughs> I, I have 256 gigs on my... Three and a half year old Samsung Galaxy S5 because yeah. I bought an SD card for twenty one dollars and change at Best Buy. I know, I know. I, I'm just. I have a cloud. So I'll save say, your money. <laughs> put your money in the bank. Life no. is very long. I'll say this. Uh, I'm not really jazzing the facial recognition thing. Not that I'm like concerned about Big Brother. To be totally honest, I don't think. No, I'm not. I don't think. But, I'm not trying to like run to the hills. It's just yeah. interesting. You know but, what I mean? It's interesting how it's. It doesn't flipped. sell me as a thing. Like I don't go, oh shit, yeah. facial rec, dude. I gotta get this phone. Uh, what I did think was interesting was the artificial or the augmented reality thing which they're pushing, yes, which I, I think is that. really cool. Uh, and I did think it was really cool until I watched a video about it, which was secretly horrifying because they're like, well, it's really cool now, but once the phones start to build a digital map of the world around you and you can start leaving messages, and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop. <laughs> did you... <laughs> <laughs> Did you just casually skip over the fact that all these phones are doing that Batman thing from the Dark Knight where it recreates the world That's using the I'm phones? That's like it, You're man. using this phone, they're like, well, geez, you know, we don't have any way to get these Google cars inside people's houses. <laughs> Let's offer it on the phone so people will do it in their houses. Then we can map out every single inch of the entire world and country. Uh, yeah, that's cool. That's fine. As long as, you know, it's comfortable and I've got my apps. Uh, so <laughs> Go read Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. Never has it been more important for people to read Brave New World. Nothing we can do about it now. Technology's coming. It's, uh, you're the reason we have Brave New World. Uh, so I thought this was an interesting way to you close You should read up. Brave New World. No, I don't want to. We've got about ten copies in there. Uh, so I thought this would be interesting for uh, me, and, uh, me, and the, me and Heather to laugh about and for Kev to crap on. These are considered... Yeah, it's my favorite kind. <laughs> these were considered uh, ten of the apps, this is from Tech Radar, the ten apps that helped define the iPhone in its ten years of uh, existence. Um... And we'll start with the first one from 2007, just Safari as an app, which is a terrible web browser in a real computer, but actually is pretty dope on the on the iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, what are thoughts? You don't even care about Safari at all, do you? What's the what's the equivalent of that on Android? Chrome. Just Chrome. Just the Chrome on everybody. Yeah. yeah. All, same mm. stuff people use on their PCs. That mm. you know the the web exploring yeah. app that most people. Install it is on their the best. It is the best one, one to be honest. Uh, Facebook in 2008, in a, which. People sort of overlook the importance of Facebook on their cell phone, but how would uh, how would people rekindle former romances and hassle people anonymous and online without Facebook and the app itself? It'd be a lot of fun. Uh, I, I feel like Facebook is such a ingrained part of people's yeah, life. Yeah, and it's, it's like, so funny to hear that, actually. It's like an app that helped define the phone, but it's a part of every single person's phone, whether they want to admit it or not. I wasn't early on Apple, so I don't remember something called brushes. Do you remember something called brushes? Mm-hmm. Apparently that was a thing in 2008. I don't know what it is. Sure. Uh, how about Instagram, twenty eighteen or twenty ten? The best is that the best social media platform right now. Yep. That's what a lot of people say. I look at Instagram when I look at anything. Yep. Yeah, it seems to be the general consensus I'm getting from a lot of people. People love people love pictures. Mm-hmm. I don't get Snapchat, but twenty eleven hard to deny the pr- relevance of Snapchat. Oh, it's insane. I don't know. I tried Snapchat, but I couldn't like. 
I don't use it a ton unless I respond to things that I've been sent or just casually watching um, a story here or there from like other people. But all the kids that work for me that are ages nineteen to like twenty two, twenty three, it's the do. most it's the most prevalent thing you've ever seen in your life. I can I say my biggest problem, and it's and maybe it dates me. I'm embarrassed to be seen using Snapchat, and that's why I have a hard time Snapchatting. Like, if someone were to see me in my, like, my, like, office, like, I was, like, at lunch and just being like, I'm gonna make a face with my camera. <laughs> someone walk, let me feel like a total asshole. I'm sorry, I just would. Like, maybe it's I just me. Like well, it's because you would be. Yeah. <laughs> you would be a total asshole. That's why you feel like that. I just feel like it'd be tough for me to, like, to... Con- I'm not that into myself. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not convinced wanna... that I have anything to say or show that anybody that needs... I think it's a lot of work. That needs it's to be a lot of work. I'm just, just... What the hell does anybody care? Who am I doing this for? I already talk into the void once a week. That's enough ego trip that for me. Hey, um, don't call them the void. <laughs> yeah. Listeners are all very nice people. I mean, existentially, I feel like I'm talking mm. to the void. Our listeners are all wonderful folks. The void is the nickname for the microphone. <laughs> the void, yeah. Uh, 2011 GarageBand, which uh, I don't use ever on the phone. I've used GarageBand on a tablet, and it's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty crazy. Here's one that's uh, a good laugh at Apple one. Google Maps 2012, because Apple tried to launch their own maps. Terrible. Oh, more like terrible. Apple craps. Terrible. Uh, yeah, I would say the Google Maps is a quintessential necessary download because it really is light years better than than the apple one and tinder who doesn't have tinder on their phone these days except heather because you're married that i, I know of you got rid of it <laughs> i don't think i have it i never, had, I it. Wasn't you never had it i've never I, been a tinder guy i would never you should i feel like uh i feel like i wouldn't do anything else plus it's too small of an area <laughs> i feel it's like, too small around here i feel like you if you've never done it before for yourself it's definitely worth the social experiment of doing it. It's fun. It's yeah, definitely fun. And then we can talk about it next Yeah, time. you should definitely do it test and just pilot test for pilot it. Just for a week. If you want Kevin to test pilot a Tinder account, go on Twitter and say... Test pilot. Test pilot. Hashtag test pilot. Go on, let me, and I'll make, it, want, I'll make it very yeah, clear. Please. Go on Twitter and waste your time <laughs> by talking about how that's something you want. And then shit in the other hand and see which one fills up first. No. Because I'm not... It's, it's a lot. Why? It I just seems like a lot. I Heather, why don't you get one? No, that'd be weird. You're married a married now. woman with child looking for. They are, well, you'd have hey, to get, they're out there. You'd have to get an Ashley Madison account for that, I suppose. Oh, yeah. You, you'd have to. Well, it's only for the married folks. Uh, so I guess that's it this week. Thanks again to Nick Briggs. Uh, thanks to everybody who was out for the downtown get down. It was awesome. Uh, Heather, follow you on Twitter at HeatherWaz1 underscore. Kevin Sullivan, Twitter. Uh, yeah, again, quickly to everybody, thanks so much to everybody who made uh, the Downtown Get Down uh, thing to be a part of. It's yeah. become, yeah. as Parkinson so eloquently put in the OD, it's sort of become our Super Bowl for the year. Yeah. <laughs> and we enjoy it. We put a lot into it, and we go real hard to party uh, for it. I had a great time seeing everybody, and it's awesome to have a minute to look back and reflect on the things that we've built in the short amount of time we've been working together as friends and colleagues and neighbors. So very, very poignant. I have to say, can I tell you the truth? I almost cringed when he said Super Bowl because I'm like, no, I didn't like. It. I didn't no, like I didn't it. like it either. But I like, I don't like it. So I don't like it, but I like it for him. Yes, it makes sense. <laughs> uh, uh, follow Kevin underscore Kevin Sullivan if you want. Follow me SF Doom. Follow the show at Uticast. You can also go to Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud. I tweeted this week. Did you? Did? A little bit. Oh, I responded I don't see to some it, people. You, I know I unblocked you for a minute to see what somebody was saying because I was tweeting into a conversation with you. Then I reblocked you once I'd read the context. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm just giving you what you want, Heather. Apple Podcast. Yeah, but I did tweet. Made Munica. Back. Who knows? Uh, all right. Sayonara, humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Maybe I'll only replies. Maybe I'll only reply. That'll be my thing. No, not you. You're not getting anything. I'm saying maybe the rest of the people. I'll only tweet when it's replying to somebody who tweets at me. 
It's very high maintenance of me, but I'll take it. Let's do it. Not you. You're blocked. <laughs>